Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual. Talking with shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your hosts, Vic Waitley. And Marcus D. And guys, I know that we've been on a little bit of a hiatus recording for the past two couple weeks. Oh uh, my goodness, we are so far behind. You should see our recording yeah. schedule to get cut up. Don't worry, all the episodes are going to get out there. But man, we have a dense schedule. <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a doozy it's been a doozy of a couple weeks. But we're back in the studio now. And we're starting to record for you guys, and we're super excited uh, to be able to record for you guys today and put on an awesome episode. As all month long uh, in March, we're going to be talking about alien abductions and mutilations. But also, if you guys get a chance, send a consultation to Ellie and just put it in the comments below. She's had a really hard time here lately. Uh, she lost her mother, and that's what's got us kind of far behind. Yeah. So. But we're back in the studio now. We're, we're excited to be bringing you guys some awesome content. And we've got a great month of recording plan for you guys. And we're going to be talking about alien abductions. And it's, you know, it's not something that we've talked about a whole lot across the whole span of our career. But we've dabbled in it from time to time with some of the more popular ones that we did. Uh, the Bolas uh, abduction from South America as well as the Travis Walton UFO incident. Yeah, we've always kind of liked talking about greys and abduction and stuff. It's just something that we don't do that often. Well, it was... I I honestly thought that abductions was kind of an older phenomenon, and it's not happening in the modern day now. Oh, yeah, that really surprised me when you yeah. said that earlier this month. You're like, well, I mean... It's not like that people really get abducted that commonly now. And I'm like, what are you talking yeah. about? This is a fairly common thing. I was very wrong with that. <laughs> uh, as I realized that generally just some of the circles of the paranormal that I uh, that I watch and that I interact with um, was, not this, was not this circle. So I was very wrong. So I've recently started researching this a lot more. Yeah, so it's going to be a fun month uh, that we're learning about this together, guys. Uh, I can tell you that for sure. Yeah, he didn't realize a lot of people don't post abduction experiences on general paranormal boards. Because you, you guys know how it is. A lot of people want to keep the alien stuff in their own camp and the Bigfoot stuff in their own camp. And they don't have that kind of keel-like perspective we like to use where we say it's all connected. Okay, in my defense... No, no, it's not that you it, did something wrong. In, you, my, in my defense here, let, guys, let's, let's, let's be honest, even like in general public discussion, the conversation of ghosts happens very frequently, and UFOs as well, and even monster sightings. Alien abductions is not one that seems... It seems to... Steam, people still talk about it, Still, people still claim that it occurs... Does not seem to be at the forefront of many conversations. And Although and it was, it was bigger in like the '90s, early 2000s era. That's where it kind of hit a crescendo. It's not that I think it happens less nowadays. I think people are just like, yeah, it's a thing. It happens. <laughs> I don't think that's okay. And of course it's not. But no matter how tragic a event is, you do it does eventually become a normal. Like, do you remember when we all had to start wearing these masks and how, how mad you were? Nowadays, it's just like, oh, I got to put on my mask. Did you it's, just, like, it's not even a big deal. Did you just it's, did you just compare mask wearing to alien abductions? Only as an example of how humans adjust to things. 
We should not be adjusting to people being abducted by aliens. It's not a statement of if we should. I'm just making a statement on human nature. I don't know about that. I'm you see, you, that was kind of cavalier. But <laughs> it's me. Uh, yeah, I know. Cavalier about everything. Okay, I'll overreact enough for the properly for the both of us. Good. Okay. So, so we've got a fantastic month planned for you guys. I absolutely we cannot wait to bring some of this stuff. We've got a patron a patron video slotted, uh, as well as a trip to Cave City coming up next weekend. Yes, I'm super excited about this. Me, Vic, and Ricky from Mount Vernon Paranormal said we're going to go down to Cave City, Kentucky to do a weekend-long investigation down there. I'm super pumped for this. And we're planning on recording a lot of the stuff for you guys. We don't know if it's going to be Patreon or on the YouTube or what yet. We'll figure that out when it yeah. gets there. But that content is coming. I'm so excited. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. He's been nuts about well, this. Well, yeah. Because, because, well, you know, because of our work schedule and things like that. Because... Generally, whenever we were both working in the hospital, we had opposite we had opposite work weekends. But this whole weekend that was coming up, I was supposed to go to an anime convention. It got canceled. I still had the weekend off. Now we can go, which is gonna be great, and I cannot wait for this. But getting um, comments, uh, yes, comments from the last episode. So if you have not checked out our last episode, we talked about blood rains, and we had a fantastic guest on, uh, uh, Kurt. Why am I spacing Tom Kirkland from uh, Sleepless Readings. Fantastic channel. You guys absolutely go check it out. This dude reads. This dude does awesome stories from uh, the No Sleep uh, subreddit on Reddit. You guys need to go check him out. You know, I it did not surprise me that he had a really good voice and was going to be good on that angle because I looked at some of his stuff. It did surprise me on how funny he was. Yeah. He was very funny. He was a very funny. In the whole episode long, I'm just watching him on the internet call. Because I'm like, is his voice, does his voice really sound like this just naturally? And it does. It's not putting it on. That's just how he just normally sounds all the time. That's awesome. So, what's wrong with you, man? Says, two videos at the same day. Y'all spoiling now. <laughs> <laughs> did we put out two in the same day? I think we did put out two videos within the same I think we put up both uh, the Thunderstruck and the Blood and the Blood Brain episodes fairly close back to back. Well, because again, we were getting close to the end of the month. We want to make sure that we got them up. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Frontal Love says, dude, I never get notifications. I thought you'd quit making videos. I've missed you so much. Well, good to have you back, man. And not only are we still making videos, we're making more than I think we've ever done. Yeah. Uh, also, guys, if you guys uh, are on YouTube, don't forget to hit the notification bell because subscribing does not do anything. It doesn't mean anything. Truthfully, you kind of if you're on YouTube, you just kind of need to check the channel periodically. I, I hate to tell you that because I know it's an inconvenience, but you know, YouTube. Yeah, so, you know, check out our Patreon, too. You know, there's stuff on there, too, oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. There's Every, stuff up there, too. Everybody should definitely go to our Patreon. Yeah. Um... Izzy28 says, honestly, blood rain doesn't sound far-fetched as most of the water is in our blood, so it rising in the clouds, then raining isn't completely out there. But for it to look like blood rain, which the plasma nutri nutritions, would it back from the rising correct? Uh, yeah, that does sound crazy. I agree. They're hiding something about the blood rain. The whole time they did the whole episode of the blood rain thing, it was surprising to me, like, how much those physicists were not letting up on believing that it was an alien life form from outer space. Oh, yeah. They never let that go. And I'm sure it did great damage to their career. They had every incentive to let oh, it yeah. go. Okay. <laughs> Shan says, 
The special guest for this episode is my new favorite. He sounds like a cooler version of Krunk from The Emperor's New Groove and other animations. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Um, and Tom from Slippers Reading says, thanks for having me on the show, guys. It was a lot of fun. And thank you, Tom, for coming on because you were a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It was a blast. Absolutely, man. Okay, guys, so for this episode, I am going to be drinking kind of lightly. I'm going to be drinking Recorder Lake. And I'm going to be drinking a Chocolate Duchess Cherry. You might be asking, why are we going so uh, light today? It's because it's 9 a.m. <laughs> We're recording this on Saturday <laughs> at like 9 in the morning. It may be 5 o'clock somewhere, but it's still 9 a.m. here in Indiana. As much as I would like to down a full bottle of wine and talk about this subject, it's just too damn early. <laughs> yeah. So we want to make sure we just do a little bit of light drinking. So cheers. Cheers. Cheers, cheers to you guys. Oh, Recorder League is so good. Uh, no, like this... Yeah, and yes, you're 100% correct. Yeah. Recorder League is like the best cider. But holy crud... This chocolate Duchess cherry. I don't even like chocolate, and I love this thing. It has the a slight taste of a cocoa with a really deep sour cherry taste to it. It is so good. Recorder League is so smooth; you will have you fall down drunk before you realize it. Like that, you could easily just drink these back to back, thinking you're just drinking juice, and you will be sloshed. I really feel like someone should be paying us to say this. We really need to get a sponsor. Hey, yeah, Recorder League, sponsor us. That'd be awesome. I would love to be sponsored by them. Oh, heck yeah. I drink a recorded league every episode. All right. So, guys, for today's episode, we, we are talking about the OG abduction way, case. Yeah, way, way back. I thought since we hadn't talked a whole lot about alien abductions on the channel, we should go to the beginning. You know, really what is considered one of the first abductions that's very popular. It's the one everybody goes to. The Betty and Barney Hill abduction. And as a form of prep for this episode, I actually drilled through the book of uh, Captured in like 24 hours. <laughs> it was a freaking marathon. <laughs> I did it on Audible. I'm running it at like speed and a half. <laughs> <laughs> You're like resting the writing load. So I'm like, slow down. I can't keep up. <laughs> but and. If you guys are looking for a book on the Betty and Barney Hill case, really captured. It's fascinating. It is, even on Audible, it's a 12-hour audio book. Well, even if you've, I mean, even if you've never heard of the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, there's there's been so much discussion on their abduction. It's it's a very easy story to get into and to try to wrap your mind around. But that's also one of the reasons we've not covered it up to this point, right. at least not extensively. We usually like to do things where people haven't overly talked the subject out and we usually reserve things for when we can give a unique opinion on it. But I think we are more than ready on this one. Yes, yeah, I, th I think that we can. We've got some interesting topics uh, for us. So if you guys are not familiar with the Barney Hill, Betty and Barney Hill abduction, here's a kind of a quick, quick rundown of, of their abduction. So on September 19th, 1961, around 10.30 p.m. in Lancaster, New Hampshire, Betty and Barney were driving back from vacation uh, in Niagara Falls. While they were driving, Betty saw this bright light in the sky, and initially she thought that she was seeing like a shooting star, but the only problem was was that the light was moving up <laughs> instead of down. So it kind of caught, it was kind of weird. 
So it began moving erratically and it's getting bigger and brighter. So they decided to stop and when when they stopped, Barney had gotten out these binoculars that they had and Betty was able to look through it and when they look through, they see this oddly shaped craft in the sky. And to describe it, they described it as looking kind of like a pancake with little like thin wings on the side of it. And windows around the side. Yeah, with windows around the side of it. But they haven't got to the windows yet. But that was what they initially... It's, but they haven't been able to see inside of it yet. So, um, Betty's completely perplexed. Barney initially thinks that this is some sort of a commercial airliner. And he thinks that it's just a really weirdly shaped plane. But... So, initially, they uh, decide that they want to follow this strange looking craft. And they, and they start following it for a while. And... Eventually, what happens is as they're following it, it starts getting closer and closer to their car. And eventually, it just gets so close to their car that it ends up making them have to stop literally in the middle of the highway. While they're, they, they get, Barney then gets out of the car, and he has his binoculars now, and he decides to take a look. And when he looks at the craft, the craft is huge. And they estimated it at that point in front of them that they thought that it was like 40 feet long. And Barney's looking at the craft, and what he sees when he looks at the binoculars is he says that he saw between 8 to 11 humanoid creatures wearing these, like, black, shiny outfits and black hats. Kind of like, they described them kind of like uh, military cadets wear. So, obviously, that's when Barney's like, roll them up! <laughs> and this is also considered to be, in many ways, the origin of the greys. Oh, yeah. Although, their account is a little different yeah. than the modern grey. So... Barney's like, uh, we gotta get out of here. And they, like, uh, they take off, like, a bat out of hell driving away from this thing. Because Barney, in his mind, what he said, he was absolutely convinced that whatever was inside of there was again was gonna, like, try to capture them or was hostile to them. So, like, we gotta get out of here. Which, I know this is something that we're going to go into later, but I thought it was very fascinating that Barney immediately went to the thought that they were going to be mm -hmm. captured. I, th I thought that was an interesting jump. Remind me to come back to this. Later. Oh yeah. So while they're while they're driving and hauling away, like just flying away from this thing, trying to get away from this thing and it's pursuing, they start hearing these buzzing and beeping sounds that seems to be hitting the car. They decided that it was hitting like the bumper of the car, like the back part of the car. And all of a sudden, it like sent this tingling sensation through the whole car, and they essentially went into like a fugue state. I believe at this point, this is when they go into that fugue state. And when they wake up, they realize that they had driven like two hours. They'd driven almost like forty miles, and had no recollection of what happened after that. After that moment. So they finally get home, and when they get home, they are completely perplexed as to what had happened, right? So they're totally, they don't know what's going on, and they are both a mess. Betty realizes that the dress that she's wearing is torn up in several places, the zipper's ripped, her whole seam on part of the side of her dress is, like, tore, Barney's shoes are worn, matted, he has to throw them away. They notice things like their uh, watches have stopped, both of their watches have stopped, and they never, fun and they never worked again after that. Also, the sun was coming up, 
and that the sun seemed to have been coming up much earlier than they had expected it to. Oh yeah, they lost completely the track of time. This is like one of the very first accounts when people talk about the missing time phenomenon because they had no idea because with where they were driving from and how long it should have taken them to get home, it should not have taken this long. They had a large chunk of time missing. And another thing that they noticed too on the back of their car was that there were these shiny concentric circles on their car's trunk that hadn't been there before. And when they experimented with a compass on around these circles, they noted that when they moved closer to the spots, the needle would start whirling rapidly. Um, but when they moved it a few inches away from it, that it would drop down. Very weird stuff. And that is their initial abduction story as far as they got it at that point. So where do we want to take it from here? <sighs> I know something that I want to talk about, but I'm not sure if you're feeling like we should do more of the history first. Mm -hmm. But I kind of want to get into the beeping. Mm -hmm. So you cool with that? Yeah, yeah. Let's start. Let's start there. Okay. One of the interesting things with the beeping... Is, well, actually, two two interesting things with the beeping. First, it came with a sense of impact around the bumper of the car. Second, it seemed to have been what instigated this fugue, say, what instigated this a strange effect on their memory. Um, later on, they realized it was after the beeping that Barney turned down this odd road. And as the story goes on, we find out where their abduction experience actually took place. And he, they could not remember this on their own. But it seemed like this beeping sound was much of the initiator of that aspect of the abduction. But before we get to that part, let's talk about the fact this sound came with an impact. Mm -hmm. I know my thoughts on it. What are you thinking? You know, I don't know if it was some sort of an infrasound thing. That was that was one of my first thoughts uh, that does, because I know that infrasound can often have uh, bizarre effects on people's like uh, perceptions of things, and can and can definitely cause uh, confusion and delirium with people. And Kiel also associated infrasound with UFOs. Mm -hmm. Something that I thought that was interesting about their particular abduction story versus other the vast majority of other abduction stories. Is I don't get that that beeping sound right before the, I don't you don't see that beeping uh, sound before a lot of them. There's a lot of stories like in the Travis Walton one where it's just a beam of light, and that's where you just like it gets hit with some sort of paralyzed ray or something like that. The beeping sounds are mainly associated with many of the very early abduction ones. Like if this was a technology the Greys were using, it's something that I think that they had abandoned for other methods. But here's one of my thoughts. What if from the UFO they released a physical device that attached to the car through some sort of magnetic like pull? Mm -hmm. And that those that's what was releasing the beeping sound and causing the tingling, lulling them into this uh, psychological fugue state. I almost wonder if... Where those adhered, likely through magnetics, are those like little silver dollar spots that are on the back of the car. And that since it attached strong, through strong magnetics that we probably don't fully understand, because truthfully, we don't understand everything about magnets as it stands now. 
the, and then like once they're done, they detach and went back to the UFO or just fell off the car. And that's what left those odd magnetic spheres. I think so too. I think that that, I think that's a good theory as to what this thing could have been. Like, I like the idea that it was some sort of early technology that the greys might have been using because again their abduction occurs in 1961 something like another famous story like the travis walton one doesn't happen again until 1975 so this is 14 years within that time frame you could have seen something it's kind of like in uh like star trek enterprise when they they don't have the tractor beam yet they still got like the the actual they gotta like hit it with like a claw machine thing and pull it like with a retracting cable and things like that versus like by the enterprise show star trek enterprise and then you got tractor beams and stuff now and as they recover these memories, there are other signs that the aliens are still kind of working out how they do it. Do you care if I skip to the book part? Sure. In the There's this period in the post-abduction where Betty is speaking with what she thinks to be one of the great leaders. This is after they've done their experiments on her. And she's talking with this individual. And he's kind of explaining in general terms what's happening and they have this short discussion and at the end of it she's like can i take something with me and he's like sure what would you want and she looks around and she finds something that she recognizes being akin to a book with this odd writing she's like i want to take this with me so i have evidence that this occurred so i can explain to people what happened to me but when she goes to leave, this other gray comes up and based on, they couldn't understand the vocalization they were making, but she said she got the sense that the one that gave it to her was in trouble. And then he basically had to explain that, no, I can't give you anything that <laughs> like would, would make it so you could prove that you were here. It's almost like the one that they were talking <coughs> to didn't yet understand we can't give the humans evidence that this occurred i mean oddly enough as weird as it is to characteristic or characterize a gray yes a gray as being kind of a nice guy i kind of feel like this one was trying to be a nice guy so okay okay i want to back it up 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 so if you're familiar with if you're familiar with the betty and barney hill abduction story you know that eventually what ends up happening after their experience they have all this missing time and they don't know where everything's going they have, um, they eventually, what they do is they, is right after the experience, Betty starts having these dreams and she starts having these dreams about her experiences of being abducted. Barney, I think never actually claims to have any similar dreams like these, right? He just, no, Barney yeah. didn't have the dreams and oddly enough, the Greys even told Betty that he wouldn't. Right. And... This is where a lot of the, some of the, Betty starts having these dreams and in her dreams, she starts talking, she starts going, piecing together the events of what happened in their abduction. Do you remember a lot about like what happened in her dreams? It basically, it's a sped up version of the actual events missing a lot of the details. The only big difference between what was going on in the dreams and what was going on when she was eventually able to unlock the memories through um, hypnosis was that, A, there were a lot less details in the dreams. And B, she thought the greys were nice and cute and they weren't repulsive in the dream. When she finally unlocked the memories, she was actually 
very startled to see how she actually remembered them compared to what they came across like in the dream. Right. Because like in her dreams, she actually goes through the process of knowing that like of them walking up the ramp to this ship, being experimented upon and engaging with and engaging with the Greys. And like you were saying, like she has this very almost positive experience. Yeah, like in it a dream. was like it was like intrusive yeah. but somewhat pleasant. Yeah. She felt like they were almost sympathetic in the dream part. Yeah. And truthfully, that aspect never a hundred percent changes. Yeah. She always does seem to maintain this very oh, I I'm not quite willing to paint them as the bad guys. She developed Stockholm Syndrome really fast. <laughs> yeah, I did get, or or they programmed that into her. That's true. That's like, another thought. That's another thought too. Because when they were taking her, they basically Barney initially started fighting, and then once he realized he couldn't, this is a fight he couldn't win. He basically entirely gave up, and they pretty much explained to her, since he did that, they can put him under deep enough he will never recall these memories. But she. Although wasn't physically fighting, she always maintained this degree of resistance to what was happening to them. Mm-hmm. Like at, at most, at, like they got to the area where they were trying to bring her actually on the ship through the door, and she was refusing to move. And she does give in. Someone says, "Okay, I'll go with you," but it's not like she's being drugged, and she's not fully given up. And that's why they said she'll likely remember some. And the, the the interesting thing is, like, if you listen to skeptics talking about, like, Betty and Barney Hill, initially they'll tell you that, like, they thought that this was done again for the notoriety. Again, if you come public with some sort of a UFO or abduction story, that's initially the first thing that's thrown out, is that they're like, oh, they just want notoriety. But Barney didn't want any notoriety about this at all. Well, truthfully, neither of them did, but Barney really didn't. Like, well, really, really didn't. Betty Betty was still telling people within her close family and close friends about the experience of what's going on. But she never wanted to become public. No. Barney, on, on the other hand, just kind of like did the, I'm going to put it into a ball, I'm going to push it way deep down, and we're never going to talk about it again. Yeah, Barney's stance was, if we have to talk about this, it should just be between husband and wife and no one else knows. Yeah. And I don't think he even really wanted to talk about between the two of yeah. them. And I'm sure Betty was like, yeah, 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 I get that too. But then she goes around and tells a lot of her close family and friends. I mean, even, even if she says that she's not wanting to tell people, there's... Like, if you look at the trail of events, she, she talks to a lot of her close confidants. Well, and she basically tells Barney that this needs to at least be a family thing. But it with time as they... Basically, where we're at right now, they still were not convinced that they had a abduction. Right. What they believed happened was they had something weird happen to them that their mind had interpreted like this. And it took them a long time to come to terms with, okay, yeah... This looks like this really happened. And at that, they never wanted to become public. They kept this at the point where they had autonomy over who knew. At most, it was a small circle of very high up UFO researchers, um, a handful of very specialized hypnotherapists, the one working with them being very specialized in PTSD, who primarily worked with people coming back from theaters of war and had amnesia. This was his specialization and some close friends and family members. The story only became public because 
a journalist had gone a whiff of this and then using very shady, unethical practices, managed to get the story by going to Betty's friends and family being like, hey, I, I know Betty wants to keep this hush-hush, but I'm I'm here to chronicle it and get all the information in one place. And don't, you don't even need to tell Betty that I came by. You know, she doesn't want this getting out too much. But I'm just here for you to tell me everything that she's told you. And so many people, so many people gave him the whole story. <laughs> and then next thing they know is the newspaper saying, a bunch of the stuff that they said, and there's this thing saying, and this will be a five-day report. And there's going to be so much more on this. And they about lost it. They really, especially Barney, really didn't want this to happen. Didn't even, her family didn't, friends didn't even want to, didn't even bother calling her. They're just like, oh, yeah, that that's believable. That makes sense. This reporter already talked and said, oh, it's okay. <sighs> yeah, they were abnormally trusting. <laughs> like, her... Her confidence was betrayed by a lot of people, and this reporter got a lot of information. Like, and they they never would have went on to even do the book, The Interrupted Journey, if it wasn't for the fact they felt that they were so misportrayed in a lot of this. That, yeah, he got the general story, but since he wasn't really interviewing them, a lot of it was lost in translation. Well, I can see that from a lot of people that... that why they would want to do that. I can see why somebody would want to set the story straight. You know, but not wanting somebody to paint them as this particular group of people that are just trying to get notoriety or getting some of the facts around that. You know, hey, look, if you're going to tell my story, I want you to make sure that you at least get it right. Yeah. And that's more or less of what they're wanting to do is set the record straight. And they had, this hurt them. This story coming out hurt them. Um, Barney, as a black man in the 60s, was a very big mover and shaker for the civil rights movement. He was on, he was appointed to being a consultant for political groups. He was looking at it, it looked like it was very likely about the time that this was coming out, he was moving towards a position where he worked under a president. And this came out and screwed up. Betty on the other side. She was a very focused and devoted civil servant. She worked in the field of welfare. She was very devoted to that job. And this is something that hurt her career too. These people were basically very devoted to the fields that they worked in. And they wanted to be known for that work. Like, and history would have remembered them to some extent for that, if not for this. Well, I think even history doesn't remember them for most of that work. I think, again, history only remembers them now for their abduction story yeah. like but, i don't think i don't think 99.99 percent of the people that even know of the story of betty and barney hill even know about them being involved in the civil rights movement can probably even talk about some of their work in the civil rights movement oh yeah yeah it is overshadowed it they yes they're probably more famous than they would have been but they're not famous for what they wanted to, to be, be. <laughs> yeah like it, it's kind of a sad story on what happened to these people. They really just wanted to understand what happened to them and kind of then be left alone about. It. They were on a journey of personal discovery about these events, and yeah. the world just didn't let it be that. Nope. One of the things that I thought that was so, that was such a stark contrast is if you look at Betty's accounts when she's detailing her dreams 
versus her reaction to the whole thing when they undergo hypnotherapy. Because you can actually listen to a lot of the hypnotherapy sessions from Barney and, and Betty Hill. And it's very different, you know, uh, you know, both Betty and uh, both Betty uh, is describing a lot of horrific experiences versus her dreams in which they seem very pleasant and not so bad versus, you know, under hypnotherapy, her describing like them telling her that they want to examine the various parts of the human anatomy and then taking a needle and driving it into her belly button. And there's a lot of misconceptions about some things that came out during those hypnotherapies. I've seen it written that, oh, um, Barney, yes, was tra was traumatized, but Betty had a very cavalier attitude about it. That's very much a misquote. If you go to the initial ones, in many of them, she is legitimately scared. Now, not as bad as Barney. Barney, Barney I feel, is the first true abductee ex abduction experiencer compared to the modern barney's experience was much more personally horrifying and internalized it in a much more emotionally difficult way betty i always kind of felt like she held on to this belief of from her dreams that oh yes they're these cute little visitors mm-hmm and yes, that did loosen over time, but I never felt it ever truly left her. Yeah, Barney had to had to come to terms, like had to come to terms with again that vulnerability that comes from again. Because if you think about his perspective, like you know, it's a husband and wife. They get abducted by aliens. In the story, there's sometimes reference that he that he had a gun with him, and there's yep. never a reference that he ever got it out and and used it. And if you're a fan of the channel, you've known several times when I've said the phrase, I don't know how this story doesn't end with, and then I pulled out my gun. There are a few points of the story where he does actually pull the gun out, although he does not ever fire right. it. And he has to come to terms, he, he had to come to terms with, did, you know, thinking about, you know, not being able to protect his wife and himself in those situations. Yeah. I think that, he kind of realized what he was up against that he was pretty sure that the gun wasn't going to help the situation mm -hmm. and that it had a lot of potential to make their situation worse for them. And I think that's why he never actually fired it. He, he has this very, but even through the rest of his life, he has this kind of almost like, almost like survivor's guilt. It almost kind of, oh, sounds, yeah. Yeah. It, it almost feels like, you know, you he was know. always very sensitive about how he reacted mm -hmm. because like when, especially when people would listen to the uh, tapes, because in the tapes where he's hypnotized, he's reliving that moment. He's terrified. He's crying. He often, when you listen to the tape, he'd have to run into another room and vomit. He would be visibly freaked out. And he was also then very, there was a degree of shame about his reaction did he do the right thing as a man, I felt, was much of Barney's response to the whole thing. And keep in mind, Barney was a very strong, passionate individual. The things that he focused on, and he, and he's definitely not the coward that some people have made him out to be and stuff. This guy was in World War II. This guy was, <laughs> like, yeah. he, he had false teeth because they were blown out by a grenade. I, I think so much of the Betty and Barney Hill story that that part of it is 
is left is left out of the story, and I think it does a strong injustice. I think to, especially to Barney, whenever you're whenever you're re- recounting on that, and I think even when we're talking about the abductee experience in general, the kind of trauma that that leaves on a person when you generally have been believed that you've been abducted, violated, because if you look at like the what happened to them when they got back, and I think that this is something that is is often probably overlooked probably in more abductee experiences than you than you think when they got when they got back to their house from that night before they even had before they even got to bed you know they're they're acting like individuals that have been affected by trauma they wouldn't bring their uh, luggage like fully into the house they throw away their most they throw away a lot of their clothes Bar, uh, barney's checking his genitals they shower Trying to, they shower repeatedly and excessively, trying to get everything off of them. They're responding like a like a person that had been that had been gone under like intense drama. I know we're covering a lot of information here, and I know we have a lot more to get to. And there's so many things about this topic that we're wanting to talk about, but let's give a little bit of detail on their actual abduction situation the actual minutia of what happened to them on the ship okay because i know both me and you have a lot we want to talk about here and we're kind of skipping ahead of ourselves yeah we are okay um so i know i know for i know they they talk about being apprehended and going up this uh the ramp up onto the ship and the betty is trying betty and uh, is accounting that she wanted them like to stay together but they make them uh, get examined separately. So they're taken into separate rooms. And while then their Betty is describing that they're want, they're very interested in the human anatomy. They're scraping off skin cells. They're checking her eyes. They're checking her nose. They're checking her fingers. They're checking all of these, these various parts. But they're interested in the human nervous system and things like that. They want to check the nervous system. And that's whenever she describes them taking the um, that uh, needle and driving it into her navel. And uh, she, I remember even during her hypnotherapy, like her sh- talking about like how much it hurt, was hurting her whenever that was going on. And Barney, although it took a lot more effort to remember, did not fare much better. At one point, he expresses that he doesn't think that there's an orifice he didn't get probed. He even talks about them utilizing some sort of about pencil with probe and going into his anus. He said he could not, mainly because neither of them were really wanting to watch a whole lot of what was going on because it was very traumatizing for them. Um, he said he wasn't positive that they had taken semen, but based on where they were focusing, he's assuming they likely did. He even had this odd uh, circle of bizarre warts that formed around the area of his genitals that they were working on. Ones that when he went to get them examined, they couldn't ex- even explain what sort of warts they were. God, that's... I can't even imagine, like... How horrif- like how horrifying like coming to terms with it. That's honestly why I I honestly believe so much. I looking at their accounts afterwards, I, I believe so much about Barney because Barney is acting like an actual like oh yeah a hundred percent survivor of a tra- of a traumatic experience like that. Yeah, Betty seemed to have definitely have coped with her experience much better, but Barney, I think. I don't think he ever truly recovered from it. Where Betty found a way to cope 
and kind of move past. I don't think Barney ever did. Mm-hmm. But going back to um, like some stuff about the abduction, one of the things that I thought was interesting, excuse me, was that uh, Barney's or Betty finished before Barney, and at one point. The Grace came in and started examining Betty's teeth, and they had seemed confused. It was explained to them that they thought they didn't understand why Barney's teeth popped out and hers didn't. And I thought that was a very interesting aspect. Well, yeah, because, again, Barney's teeth were, were false teeth because they had been replaced. Yeah, but it almost seems like they're just starting to get uh, their legs on the human body. And I've always kind of been under the assumption that likely Grays have been here for flipping ever studying us. And this is just one of the first cases where we really caught them. Well, but this seems to fly in resistance to that idea. Well, again, the description that they give, and I think what is portrayed in the media is not the same. You know, when you see accounts of the Betty and Barney Hill abduction story, you get like on TV, you get like little gray, little gray bald men that are short, but well, they were short. Though. Well, yeah, they were short, but like these guys were more or less humanoid with black eyes, but they also had black hair. Like these guys, these guys were described as wearing clothes and hair. So I don't know if they're necessarily they're not like the little gray men exactly that you're always thinking of, like in like on TV and stuff. Weren't some of them bald though? Uh, at least at least some of them had hair. I can oh. tell you this: there was some of them had black hair. I'm going to trust you on this. I don't recall this part from my reading, but like I said, I cleared that book fast and not all of it has really gotten properly settled into my memory. Mm-hmm. So I 100% believe you though. Um, yeah, well, one of my thoughts is that it could be a situation where we know that the grays seem to be interested in hybridization and changing themselves over time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something like that. But yeah, you're definitely right. This becomes part of what... Of the, it's considered to be part of the greater lore of the Grace, but it's not quite what we think about today. Mm-hmm. But still similar enough that I'm not ready to say it's not the same group. So, where do you want to go from here? Oh, so many areas, and we don't have a whole lot of time left. What is the most interesting thing we have not discussed yet? The want to do the dress? dress. Yeah, we'll do the okay. dress. Sorry, and guys, up. there is so much to this case. Like, yeah. literally so much we want we, to get to. Yeah, but... we've got more we're going to do in the Patreon part, too. So, okay, so Kathleen Martin is, uh, the niece, is the niece of Betty Hill. And she's 13 at the time of the abduction. And she's 13 at the time of the abduction. And... She was so impacted by her aunt's story that she, like, grows up to be, like, one of the big researchers in MUFON. Okay? And Betty initially, when she gets home, throws away the dress that she was wearing. But then she changes her mind. Like, something just tells her that she needs to hold on to this thing. And she holds on to this dress. And eventually, Kathleen gets her hands on the dress. And they have it examined. And what they find whenever they examine the dress, they said that it was covered in this pink powder where some of it blown off, but some of it's still on there. And even over time, some of it turned blue. And they eventually have it examined. And they have it examined in like five different labs. Yeah, none of the labs know what this is from. They're just told to test it. Yeah. And what they tell people initially is... That this pink powder and stuff that's left on there 
is not front is not normal it's not normal human dna it's not anything that's found naturally on them it's not from sweat it's not from vomit it's not from bodily fluids or anything like that and that um they initially can't really describe exactly what it is but what they do find is they find that there is evidence of these like um, these proteins that's generally found in water or soil and they find it like on the front of the dress and so at some point they say that Betty had have been lying face down, at least on the ground at some point. One of the most interesting parts of the study, at least for me, they're doing like a score of studies on this. And at one mm -hmm. point they submerge it in water and allow the powder to mix in. And they have a control of another piece of cloth that's just regular. And they're measuring like water density and stuff like that. But then they take the water afterwards and they pour them over seeds and see if it has a effect on the seeds and are you familiar with this part mm -mm. the seed that had the um water from the dress that had the pink powder on it germinated abnormally quickly much quicker than normal and seed germination is a bit hard to tinker with Beyond that, the seed then grew at a much faster rate than what would normally be predicted and also a much faster rate than all the control seeds that were being kept in the same area. The only variable that they could measure, but that, that's the difference between that that could be causing it, is that this was the water from the dress that had the pink powder on it. And that almost makes me think, and tell me if you're thinking something else, possibly radiation. Oh, yeah, like somehow they, they, they got some sort of irradiate, like the dress got irradiated, which has popped up on a lot of different accounts involving like ufos of either aid either killing plants or causing them to accelerate growth very fast it it makes me wonder if this is something that's supposed to modify biology or if it's a substance that's just straight up carries a level of radiate or radioactivity i kind of get torn between those two but uh, also another thing the zipper where they had attempted to handle the zipper on her dress became disdained and many of the um, fibers over time corroded abnormally fast like the dress was kind of falling apart and that makes me wonder if there's some sort of corrosive element to the mm. oils and the skins of these creatures or whatever protective gear they were wearing that i can't give a hundred percent answer on it but it does leave a lot of questions something i thought that was really interesting is kathleen was giving an interview i believe on uh she was giving an interview on uh, on tv about the dress and she was talking about how they say how she has definitive evidence of like alien life and she was talking about uh the the dress from her aunt and she was telling about like it being examined and pretty much she's like saying that we have like confirmation of that this was that this stuff is like not human and then they just wrap up the episode they're like all right thanks so much kathleen have a good one <laughs> they just wrap the episode up and, okay, I know we're getting, getting to time, and I know this is going to push us a bit over, but there's one thing I want to talk about. And uh, one of the things that, like, a lot of people will say, well, it didn't come back with alien DNA. No. There are so many problems with that sentence. It is a bad <laughs> sentence. First off, no form of mass spectrometer or any other tool that we have to analyze is going to recognize what the hell, quote-unquote, alien DNA would look like. It is a substance that it could not have a comparison for, so thus would not be identifiable. Yep. It's the same problem when people send 
DNA results, like Bigfoot DNA back, is the the best they could get is we don't yeah know. we don't know what it is <laughs> like, because like, the machine doesn't have Bigfoot DNA programmed into it as a thing to recognize. It's not gonna pop out a piece of paper that goes Sasquatch. You know, <laughs> yeah. I figured it out. No, it's not so, gonna pop out and go alien. Of course, it's it it's not recognizable as that. Beyond that, truthfully, if I per, I'm I'm not 100 percent sold that Greys are aliens, but that's what that's what the common belief is, and if Greys are aliens and come from an entirely different biological lineage than those of us on Earth, they should not possess DNA. DNA is how life on Earth transmits information between generations of biological organisms. Likely, something growing up entirely alien from life on Earth should not have recognizable quote unquote DNA. They I would assume they do have some means of transferring heritable traits. But it probably doesn't look like the same damn thing we have. You should not be finding alien if they found DNA like that, I would say, oh that's weird. They must come from the same genetic lineage as us. <laughs> and that's really weird. At least it would imply that they had evolved on Earth or that we, our, our source material that's found in every cell came from wherever they came from. Well, so keep in mind, too, do you think that any any lab that they'd have access to would actually know what DNA looks like, like alien DNA would probably look like anyway? Because I think most of the labs that, that, you know, maybe the government that would have, that would have this sort of thing on file, probably that they're not going to have access to. I mean, I struggle with the idea of what life evolving totally separate from earth would look like at times i think people don't realize how potentially strange some of those possibilities actually are personally with the level of similarities between grays and humans i generally assume that they're probably not entirely alien from us but if they are i'm assuming they're changing how they look to us so they look like something more identifiable mm-hmm. I don't think that they would likely be at this level of humanoid. And sure, many biologists will say, and even some xenobiologists will say, oh, yeah, likely what life would look like out in the universe, it would have its eyes on the top of, or somewhere on the upper part of the body. It likely would be bipedal. It likely would have some sort of mechanism for manipulating tools. But there are so many similarities between greys and humans. And there are a lot more things than just binocular vision where you could get a lot of advantages. I mean, it's not like the only effective body shape for an intelligent entity out there is two arms, two legs, like some face holes for eyes. And you've got to have those two nostrils. Can't be three. Can't be one. It's got to be the two. It's not like that's the only possibility out there. And I think that gets lost some people. Like I think so it gets like, lost that like how how important it is that they look this similar to us. Sorry, I know. Oh, like no, 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 no. Well, again, it's not even just greys that get that sort of description. Yeah, reptilians, Nor- Nordics, like every single. Like, if we look at like the fifty different types of alien species that people claim have existed, like they're all bipedal with two. They're all bipedal with two eyes, two nose, a mouth. The vast majority of them have hair on the top of their head. You know. It really makes me feel like either they're changing their appearance to be less alien to us or 
we have a common ancestor somewhere back there, somewhere in the vertebrate category. Cause that's another thing uh, give, giving like the mantis people a pass here. I know we've never talked about mantis people on the channel, but mantis people are apparently a thing giving them a pass. They all pretty much seem to be damn vertebrates too. With the same sort of bone structures as we do. It's kind of like an odd coincidence that they all seem to that we all seem to share these exact same traits and that they're all interested in our seed and we can interbreed. That's it bit, really is yeah. odd. And that's gonna come up definitely a lot more, I think, in future episodes of the podcast this month for sure. Okay, thanks for letting me go. No, 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 no. I no, really had no, to get that. No, out no you're there. fine. So do you know we didn't even really get into like There is so, this case other, is so big. We didn't even really get into like other theories of what this could have been. Like, cause I have like, like I have an idea, possibly of uh, if I was gonna do like a skeptical argument of what something like this could have been. That's our podcast. We can go over for a minute. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. So, so this whole this whole idea. What if this whole thing was just a massive screen memory that they happened? Okay. What if they're driving? What if they're driving along the road and they see some sort of U.S. craft, and they saw some sort of like deep secret like like black ops like craft that they shouldn't have seen so this is government agents that 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 essentially kidnapped them and essentially like brainwashed them into this other bizarre alien abduction story but we're we're, we're now heading towards an inception situation because that means we have a screen memory within a screen memory oh i know well and then it's all well again the, but the human brain also at the same time is going it can't can the human brain cannot handle not knowing and it will start piecing things. It cannot handle a mystery. And it will start piecing together a story in your head, even if you don't want it to. It will just start doing it on its own. Do you, you think know? we had that technology in the 60s? I know we were looking into stuff along those to lines back then. Do you think we could execute it like this? To condition somebody? I don't think... Okay, so here's the reason why I, I'm going to say yes, I do. I do believe that we have the ability that you can condition somebody to have a false memory about something going on. But I don't think that it could have been done in two hours like the timeline that they said. That is my biggest issue with that theory. I, I meant more, do you think we can condition someone to have layers of screen memory? Mm, I think Maybe. I think I think I think I think some of it also could have been Betty and Barney trying to piece together that mystery themselves. And then just making errors in their in their yeah. logic. I think that but I don't I don't think so. I think at the end of the at the end of the day. I don't. I think what we know happened was some sort of traumatic event occurred to Betty and Barney Hill. Their behavior to me is somebody that went through a traumatic experience. Now, what exactly the traumatic experience was can be left up for debate. But I don't. But I'm. I'm generally willing to believe a story that someone wants to tell me, like that, and and take their word and take their word for it. But something traumatic happened to the two of them. Okay, there's something I've been wanting to bring up here for a while. It's the fact that Barney immediately went to the thought that we're going to be captured. You gotta admit, he was in some very peculiar, out of his depth situations. But I don't know why he would naturally make that leap. Uh, I I do. He he's an African American man with in an interracial marriage in the nineteen sixties, and they've been accosted by strangers. Yeah, of course he's going to think the concept of, oh, we're about to be abducted, by at least by something. I really don't think that he would. I think it, when dealing with something that's clearly outside his normal area, I think he might think they're about to be hurt. 
He might think they're about to be killed. He might just think we're going through a strange experience. But he went specifically to capture, which was exactly what happened. Mm. But- Do you think that there's a possibility that the reason the abduction occurred is because Barney had been taken prior to this point and that this in many ways was a revisit that one of the reasons that they might have been confused about the teeth is because the abduction had occurred before he had the accident that had damaged his teeth i I don't necessarily think that that's true because he also again he was also in the military in world war ii so he he had this mindset of avoiding capture i i think as he himself being an African-American man in the 1960s and living through the 1940s like in 50s, I, I, I think that is a mindset that he always has. And That's true because when they went through a lot of the stuff on just what happened that vacation, there were several times where he assumed that like at one point they're going into a diner and he sees all the people outside and he's like, oh, yeah, this is probably going to be bad. These look like the sort of people who are going to hassle me because he's a black man there with a white woman. Right. But he never thinks during any of those, I'm going to be captured. He thinks they're going to say something. He thinks they might be in a fight. That's why he has the gun on this trip. Mm-hmm. Is because he's worried that someone might harm him. And even being in World War II... Yes, capture was a concern, but so was many other problems. There are a ton of terrible things that could happen to someone. Well, I I also think, too, that if he had been abducted before, there would be, again, lingering trauma that came from that. And both Barney and Betty, throughout the whole ordeal, claimed that they didn't have any sort of marital problems like that, and that they were fine, and there was no real evidence of that. Probably do because one of the things that abductees have again is that you will run into is again when you've had trauma like that is relationship problems, and I don't I don't see any evidence of that. But at the same time, Barney did go into the situation in a much worse state and left the situation in a much worse state. I still feel like, th- although no memories of past abductions were ever recovered. Maybe it's something that happened when he was young. Maybe it's very buried. No, I, but well, I feel like there's this possibility that much of it has to do with him immediately coming to the correct conclusion of captured. That really makes me feel like this might not have been his first time. I'm thinking it's a little bit. To me, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I think it. I think it plays a lot more to the concept of him being an African American male that's been that's had military experience, that's had military trauma before that. I think that's just where his mindset is going. Is oh, is his instincts kicking in? Going oh, I need to evade. I need to evade capture. I need to evade this happening to me. I think that's just instincts kicking in for him. And perhaps I'm I'm wrong on this one, but my gut says there's still a missing part somewhere here. I think it's an odd. I think it's an odd reaction, but I think that it's in. I think that's just evidence by that. I think that's just evident of just the high stress that he's under. Yeah, quite possible. Mm. Where do you want to go next? Because if I, not, I got another spot. The the only other. Th- I don't know if we really touched enough on. I don't know if we touched enough on how the skeptical argument 
of saying that these two just fabricated the whole that these thing that these two just fabricated the whole thing. Because if you look at the events of their of their hypnosis, it la like their of their hypnotherapy sessions, it lasted over the span of two years. That's plenty of time for the two of them in order to come to some under like to be able to get their stories together of what they're gonna say. Well, much of the argument kind of lies on this weird crux that um, Betty was this, like, extremely controlling individual, and Barney is this super meek, submissive individual. And yes, this was a real argument yeah, that came out was. from skeptics at the time, but I, they'd gone through plenty of personality tests and stuff like that, and nothing implied that... A, that either of them were individuals inclined to lying or fabrication. And it definitely didn't come back with any results implying that Barney was at all a submissive or easily influenced individual. It actually came back very much the opposite. Well, if you also look at the effectiveness of hypnotherapy, even like... We talked about this a little bit in the mental in the mental health episode that we did. Where we talked about mental health and the paranormal, like you know, regression hypnosis, like hypnosis stuff like that, is not a very public uh, like field of like medicine that happens. A lot of that stuff happens very hush hush underground, like in the field of mental health. Are you familiar with how they ended up do with or going into hypnotherapy? Like how they went into going. I know that I think that one of them. I think it was somebody through their. Was it through their church? Uh, yeah, it was. They they found out that this guy was coming through, and he was basically doing some open right like classes and stuff. <clears throat> and they came to him and kind of explained the situation to him, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." I'm not the person. And he basically said, hey, there's a lot of quacks out there in this field. I do this kind of as a hobby and to explain to people how this works. I'm not the person you want recovering memories. And he's, he even says, don't go to a psychologist either. Go to a psychiatrist. Right. Go to someone who is a master of this. And that's what you need. And that's what kind of started them on this path. And the person that they ended up with was really very specialized in this field of recovering buried memories specifically traumatic memories that people don't want to go into and there were a lot of controls on this study there was a lot of times where the person doing the hypnosis first almost everything was documented like there's tons of documentation to this case and the process and the person who was conducting it this isn't the first doctor this is the second one would often attempt to mislead the uh, person or try to he would try to stray them off course he would try to see if can i influence them to a different conclusion basically to prove that they are certain of what they'd have he'd say are you sure this didn't happen they would say no this is what happened here and there was a lot of kind of double testing as far as that. It was kind of much more impressive than I really would have expected from hypnotherapy. Right, but even at the end of their hypnotherapy sessions, Simon still concludes that it was a fabrication from Betty's dreams that she had prior to it. I mean, that was even that was his conclusion that he wrote in the end of their whole session. Yeah, but he Simon... wrote that it was a. He wrote that it was effective. He still felt that they were able to process their trauma much better from what they went through. But at the end of the day, he still felt that that this was 
conjured up between the two of them from her dreams. Well, Simon, he's the first hypnotherapist. And he he even violates his own viewpoints. This guy... I, I really feel like this is a person who had to double back because he was confronted on a truth that he could not accept himself. Because he initially said, no, whatever you come up with by the time we're done is going to be the truth. And then he has to double back and say, no, we only got to delusions. And when asked, why do you, why do you feel like these are delusions? Because they're not possible. His only answer to why is why do you think that this is still a dream was because what you came back to me is something that I cannot accept. And that's why they ended up moving on past him because he even violated what he told them. That's deep stuff. Yeah, it's a pretty intense case. And I am correct that Simon was the name of the first therapist, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the name of the first one. <clears throat> Yeah, they kind of got into this situation where they realized they're not going to be able to move forward because their therapist couldn't accept (laughs) that there's a possibility of this. And that really was his stance, that he was not willing to accept the possibility of this being a real thing. Right, right. Something I kind of want to get into involves Barney's death. Uh Barney dies many years after this uh, fact. He dies from a cerebral hemorrhage. Um, but after Barney's death, and this is well after everything had come out in the press and stuff, and they were fairly well known, Betty is driving back from the hospital. Oh, sorry, back from the funeral. After this, Barney's already been buried and stuff. And she spots a light in the sky, similar to what they had experienced before. And they, she had seen these from time to time up to this point, and so had Barney. She stops the car and basically flashes her headlights at it, which is her normal response when she sees them to try to get the attention. And it bounces a few times and comes closer, which is also consistent with some of her previous things. And she yells, uh, she gets out of the car and yells up to it, explaining that Barney's dead and that they wouldn't be able to see him anymore. And that, and then she indicates towards the direction of the graveyard. And then she says the light begins floating off in that direction. Do you, this is something that I've been wanting to talk to you about since I heard about this. First, do you think that this is a side effect of a grief addled mind? Or do you think this is a legitimate experience? Being someone who's gone through a lot of grief lately... I could see it both ways, but if we take it as not a side effect of her extreme grief of losing someone that she had loved for that long, losing her husband. This has some ramifications we definitely have to discuss. Well, a lot of abductees report multiple abductions, not even single abductions, but they'll come back, that that they come back to visit them multiple times. And they even have like rituals of realizing when then it's about to happen to them. So, I mean, yeah, this could be something where it was coming back to visit them again and them seeing the, and them seeing this sort of thing. But I think even though people that have had that, I think some of them like uh, go through a lot more like extreme trauma and and have a lot more um, harder time functioning people that 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 have those stories. But <sighs> then if we're going to take it that direction, what do you think 
was meant by the action of it heading that way. Like, do you think that this could imply a degree of sympathy? Do you think that this could be maybe them just going to confirm that he's dead? Do you think this could be them potentially exhuming the body? Like, I, I feel like there are hidden consequences to this action that need to be explored. And I was really hoping to explore through them with you. Yeah. I think, I think with it flying off probably in that way, it's probably... I think that if you would, I think of the body would probably exhume the probably some sort of evidence from it. I don't know. There's so many cases. Although Betty personally did not believe any of the cases where an alien had sucked someone through the wall of a home. <laughs> she truthfully, as as she went on as a UFO investigator, she kind of lost the case in her old age after Barney died, and she kind of said. If a UFO abduction experience is like the one I had, then it's probably real. But if it variates at all, it's not real. She was a big proponent of, if they sucked you through the wall, no, you made that up. They don't do that. They just pick you up from your car and do exactly what happened to me. But she didn't personally believe in that aspect of the abduction phenomena. But we both know that that's a big aspect of the, of the abduction phenomena. They... I would assume they probably, if they wanted the body, they probably could have sucked it through the ground through whatever bizarre probably. means they do. If they yeah. face someone through a wall, it's not that big of a stretch city and face someone out of a coffin. I think I think that for a lot of what her yelling that to them, to, to this light probably is, I I think it's, again, I don't, when you have a trauma like that, again, I don't think that you, you never get over it. You know, you, you, you learn to live above it. You know, and I, I'd agree with you that. Know, you know, it's a it's a part of you that you come that you come to terms with. Probably in a moment where she's literally driving back from a funeral, and you know she sees a light in the sky. And, I, I can't remember if she's driving back from the funeral, but basically but yeah. she was. It was shortly after the you know, situation when she's still in the grieving process. Yeah. You know, seeing a light in the sky, probably a way that she's. I could see in her mind of wanting to, you know, respect the memory of her husband of yelling at this light that she sees in the sky that you know you can't have him anymore he's gone or whatever i i could see i could see a wife doing that for her husband do you think that there is a possibility that they went off that way for something more than just scientific interest like like in my way do you think there's a possibility that yes the grays mm-hmm. may have been attempting to pay their respects or do you think that this was more along the lines of let's just go make sure he's dead probably if i had to make a guess it's to make sure that he's dead if i like i you know i uh, so so much about alien abductions involve like them trying to learn more about humans i think learning about the death process is probably going to be is going to be part of that this really seems like they are just kind of getting the sense of how to interact with humanity here like okay everything in my gut says this is probably not the first abduction case, probably far from it. They've probably been doing this forever, and this is the first case where we really became aware of it. But then there's a lot of stuff in the case that makes me think, well, maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe I need right. to think about, maybe this really is one of their early ones. They still seem to be perfecting their modus operandi here. Like, okay. Like, like, something that I see, like an early alien abduction stories and we talked about this like on our men in black uh episode with johnny 
um, when we were on his, when his podcast, is we were talking about the kind of like how like bizarre interactions are between humans and like between humans and aliens. Like they they almost don't respond right. They don't they don't act they don't act in a normal way. Most of Betty's interaction when she's dreaming about these aliens seems to have a very human connection and, and, and giving them human emotions and human like the ability to like interact generally on an effective level. And I, I think only 20 years is probably not enough to make this kind of a jump that they probably would have the ability to interact successfully and normally like Betty was trying to make them sound uh, when she's dreaming about her, her interactions with the Greys. How much do you think it is something Stockholm-like? I think it's probably... And honestly, I really think that she is trying to piece together the why. I think so, too. But in how much of their motives do you think she was somewhat deluded? I mean... Hard to say. It's or... hard. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, she really only had really one. She only had one interaction with them, and she was dreaming about it, and she had to go to hypnotherapy, which, I mean... If you really want to, like, I mean, hypnotherapy is not really something that's done mainstream right now. So, I mean, that just goes to show the effectiveness of it probably from getting, like, legit information. But, so, again, the human mind cannot fathom the concept of not knowing something and understanding something. You have to piece together the why. And it will do that with or without your help. Oh, I know that better than most. Yeah. That damn thing you did to me at the gym. I did. Yeah, I, fi- I finally drug him to the damn gym. <laughs> and all I did was walk for two hours. Super, super excited about I that. Burned. And then what did you do afterwards when we were leaving? Oh, I was staring like you're dripping water on the floor. And I'm just like staring at the water and then staring back up at you. And staring at the floor and you go, what? And I go, oh, nothing. Yeah, and he, he wouldn't tell me what it was. And it drove me freaking nuts. Yeah. I'm an insanely curious person. I can't let things drop. And then what did you start doing? You started piecing together stuff in your head. And you started piecing stuff like for what it could be. And at the end of the day, I just told you, oh, no, I really wasn't thinking anything. My mind was just wandering. Because I know I, I, I know it wasn't dripping water because I towed off after my shower and I wasn't wearing my trunks anymore. Yeah. So, but again, that goes that to that. I think, I think with a lot of Betty's interactions and, and conversations, I think that is her trying to piece together the why. And so I, I, I think I lost my train of thought of where I, where I was going with this. Oh, trying to put this like human yeah empathy and stuff on them. It really seems to me, if you just look at their behaviors, they're just trying to understand the basic biomechanical functions of humans. And death's probably a part of that. Pro- and death is a part of that process. Okay. I just, it just made me very curious if there could be this humanistic side to the grays that I've just overlooked in the course of it, or if this is more Betty projecting this into the world because she wants them to be more human. And. I'm not at a hundred percent conclusion, but if I was going to take a guess, I, and I'd say that there's a possibility that Betty was just wanting them to be more human. Mm-hmm. That way, she could grasp their how they are more. Right. I mean, and there's a, I mean, there's a bunch of directions this thing could have flown off. It just flown off. It may have just flown off in that direction, just by coincidence. Who knows? Yeah. Who? That is. Is there anything else that you're wanting to talk oh, about? I'm certain that there yeah. is, but it's not floating to the top of my mind. Yeah, so we're gonna push this exact. Yeah, moment. so what we're gonna do is we're gonna push some stuff off into the into the patron section here, into the pillow talk section. So in the comments below, guys, let us know what do you guys think about the Betty and Barney Hill uh, abduction story. Do you think that it legit happened? Do you think that Betty was accurate? 
with her perceptions of the things? Do you think they made the whole thing up? What do you guys think? Leave that in the comments below. As always, if you guys like the episode, don't forget to like, um, subscribe to follow wherever you guys listen to this podcast. Um, if you listen on YouTube, hit that notification bell so that way that you guys can check out our next episodes. Uh, leave us a review. That always helps us out anywhere that you're listening to this podcast. Leave a review. It's one of the best ways that you can help the, the, the podcast. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. So, I know that we're going to be talking about our conclusions in here, but one thing I want to talk about real quick is the Betty and Barney Hill case is well known for being the first modern abduction. Do you think that it merits that title? Nope. Hard no. <clears throat> I don't think that it does. I'm going to disagree with you, but first, let me hear your argument. The, the timeline in which this happens is 1961. This is when generally TV and, and most mass communication is starting to radically change in the country. And this is when information is being able to be much more easily disseminated to other people. We already know that there was an abduction story like well before that with the bolus abduction story that we that we've already that we've already covered on the podcast like way back in the day. Um, we already know that there was a story before that. Now, why did that story like I think when, I can't remember when I think that was in the forties, maybe the twenties, uh, off the top of my head, but. Benny and Barney Hill's story happens in the 60s. Why is it the one before? The Bolas is an incident considered the first one. It's because this was before mass communication is available. Betty's and Barney Hill's happens in the 60s when you can now disseminate this information and be on TV. You can be... Newspapers or uh, circuits are starting to pop up everywhere. This is just, I think, the first case of an abduction story going viral. I'm going to disagree... For a few reasons. And I only halfway agree with the statement that it's the first modern abduction, but I think that you're missing the word modern. That this sets the pace for all these abductions.